Welcome to Hymology on the Gospel Radio Network, a program sponsored by the Mars Hill Church of Christ, located at 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. You may contact us by phone at 615-203-3637. If you would like more information about our congregation or this program, you may visit our website at www.marshillcoc.org. We invite you to join us every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And now, here is your host, Brother Kyle Webb. Welcome once again to Hymology. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I thank you for joining our program today. Our lesson today is on a very familiar song. I don't know that anyone is not familiar with this one, at least if you've been associated with the church any length of time. The song that we are looking at today is titled, It Is Well With My Soul. It Is Well With My Soul. It is written by Horatio G. Spafford and Philip P. Bliss. It's a song that many have found to be a great comfort in the trials and struggles of life. And as we look at its meaning and especially its context, we find that it was written amidst tragedy and difficulty and struggles in life. As we look at the lyrics of the song, they were written by Horatio G. Spafford in 1873. Horatio Gates Spafford, as his full name was, was born in North Troy, New York, on October 20th, 1828, and he died in Jerusalem, Israel, on October 16th, 1888. In 1856, he moved from New York to Chicago to practice law. And not only did he have a successful practice there, but he also served as professor of medical jurisprudence at Lind University, later named Chicago Medical College. He was an active member of the Presbyterian Church, teaching Sunday school and later even serving as an elder. He was director and trustee for Presbyterian Theological Seminary of the Northwest, now McCormick Theological Seminary, and was an actively in, he was actively involved with the YMCA. He was very successful in life, uh, but he did fall on hard times. In 1871, he lost most of his fortune in the famous Chicago fire. And then just a couple of years later, in 1873, he lost four daughters who were drowned in a tragic shipwreck. I want to read to you an article titled Triumph Through Tragedy. Triumph Through Tragedy that is found in the Hymns of Faith and Inspiration, a book of Hymns of Faith and Inspiration. And this is what is written about this story. During the autumn of 1873, 
Horatio Gates Spafford and his family planned a wonderful trip to Europe to visit relatives and friends. As winter began to chill their Chicago home, Horatio, his wife Anna, and their four young daughters, Maggie, Tanetta, Annie, and Bessie, ranging in age from 18 months to 12 years, began to anticipate the sea voyage and the reunion. When the time for the trip drew close, Spafford's business encountered some difficulties that required him to remain at home. Determined not to deprive the family of the anticipated excursion, however, he kissed his wife and daughters goodbye, bade them Godspeed, and promised to join them as soon as possible. The Spafford women embarked on the French steamer SS Villa de Haver and began their transatlantic journey. Off the coast of Newfoundland, however, tragedy struck. The ship collided with an English sailing vessel, the Loch Urn, ripping a gaping hole in the ship's hull. So massive was the damage that the Villa de Haver plunged to the bottom of the frigid sea within 20 minutes. In the moments before the ship sank, Anna Spafford gathered her four young girls to her side and prayed with them, holding the youngest in her arms as the icy waters of the North Atlantic swept over the decks. The three older children disappeared, and eventually even the baby was washed from her mother's embrace. Alone and near death herself, Anna was spotted from a lifeboat and plucked from the sea. It was ten days before the survivors of the shipwreck were landed safely in Cardiff, Wales. From there, Anna Spafford wired her anxious husband a brief and poignant message, saved alone. Boarding the next available ship, Horatio sailed to England, where he was reunited with his grieving wife. The Spafford's close friend, evangelist Dwight L. Moody, was in Edinburgh, Scotland at the time of the tragedy and came from there to join the bereaved couple. He later reported of that meeting that though they were experiencing deep sorrow, the Spaffords never lost their abiding faith in God. They attested to this with their affirmation to Moody, It is well. The will of God be done. Returning to Chicago, Spafford rejoined his legal practice, once again becoming active in the local Presbyterian church as an elder and working with the YMCA. A visitor to his office two years after the shipwreck remarked about the framed cable above Spafford's desk, carrying only the words, Saved Alone. Retelling the tale, Spafford again affirmed, It is well. God's will be done. He would later report that the phrase, It is well, inspired him to formulate the words of a poem subsequently set to music by Philip P. Bliss. It wasn't the end of tragedy for the Spafford family. In 1880, he also lost a son. In 1881, the Spaffords left the U.S., settling in Jerusalem, establishing an American colony there, and a book was written of their story, Our Jerusalem written by their daughter, Bertha Spafford Vester. The music was written by Philip P. Bliss, and his story is uh, of no less interest than, than Mr. Spafford's. Philip Paul Bliss was born in 
Clearfield County, Pennsylvania, on July 9, 1838, and he died on December 19, 1876, near Ashtabula, Ohio. He was born in a log cabin and spent his early years working on the farm and in lumber camps. At age 12, he joined the Baptist Church near Elk Run, Pennsylvania. He received musical training from J.G. Towner, the father of D.B. Towner. He also attended a musical convention conducted by William B. Bradbury, a name you might be familiar with from other hymns that we often sing. He married Lucy J. Young in 1859 and began working for her father. In 1860, he became a professional music teacher. He sold his first song in 1864 and shortly after gave up teaching to become a singing evangelist. In 1876, we read of his death, and his death is is of interest in different ways. But in 1876, following a revival meeting in Peoria, Illinois, he spent Christmas with his family in Rome, Pennsylvania. Then he and his wife left by train for a meeting in D.L. Moody's Tabernacle in Chicago. While the train was crossing a railway bridge near Ashtabula, Ohio, the bridge gave way, and Bliss's car plunged with several others into a ravine. The cars caught fire, and Bliss, having at first escaped from the wreckage, went back into the car to rescue his wife, where both perished in the flames. Bliss is known for writing other great songs, such as Wonderful Words of Life, Whosoever Will, I Will Sing of My Redeemer, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning, and More Holiness Give Me. As we discussed in the class, it's very interesting that he he had written a song about the lower lights, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. Even if we are are not the, the lighthouse itself, Even if we are not Christ itself, we as Christians are lower lights. We as congregations of the Lord's church are lower lights. Let the lower lights be burning. And how interesting that it was him who also wrote the music to a song, It Is Well With My Soul, written regarding a shipwreck of a different kind. As we look at the the hymn history, I always note my sources here. Um, Hymns and History, an Annotated Survey of Sources by Forrest M. McCann. Uh, It was published in 1997 by ACU Press in Abilene, Texas. And also Hymns of Faith and Inspiration, which was published in 1990 by Ideals Publications of Nashville, Tennessee. But as we get into the context and meaning of the song, which really matters the most here, Let's begin looking at the stanzas and and we'll begin putting scripture to these and and seeing what we can learn. Stanza 1 When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say It is well, it is well with my soul. Bafford had a greater understanding of the stanza's meaning than most of us will ever have. He had been a very successful man. He was successful as a lawyer. He was successful in the medical field 
Also, and this I would refer to as his peace like a river. But he had also lost everything in the span of only a couple of years. His wealth, his children. And I would refer to this as his sorrows like sea billows roll. He had known the good in life. He had also known the difficult things in life. And he had learned to be content with his lot. In whatever way God saw fit to bless him. All was truly well with his soul because of his trust in God. I'm reminded of what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13. Philippians 4 beginning with verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul had learned, whether it be in the good or the bad of life, in whatever state he may be in, to be content. And it's a good lesson for all of us. And certainly that something that I believe Mr. Spafford understood. Peter is also a good example here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, he writes this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit, of God, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. We will suffer in this life. We know that we will suffer in this life. It's something that is uh, certainly not hidden from us in Scripture. But when we suffer, particularly for the sake of Christ, we are blessed. It may be difficult to find the blessing in suffering, but we are truly blessed as Christians. I think the best example here, and one that I imagine that Mr. Spafford could identify with more than any is Job. Job. In Job 1, verse 13, we begin to read of all the difficulties that Job faced. Verse 13 of chapter 1, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, when the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and 
killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 20, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all of this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Job lost everything seemingly in a, a, a matter of minutes. But still, he, he did not curse God. He simply said, The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the next chapter, after his health is, is also threatened, Job's wife gives him some advice. In verses 9 and 10 of Job 2, his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. I am certainly reminded of Mr. Spafford, who was a very successful businessman, had a very successful life in many regards, and yet it seemingly was all taken away in a matter of a few years. And yet, I believe he would say the very same. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? He accepted the good, he accepted the adversity, and he blessed God. It is well with my soul. As we look at stanzas two and three, we don't often use stanza two, but I do believe that these two stanzas are very closely related and go very well together. Stanza two, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. <clears throat> My sin, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. Even when we suffer at the control of the ruler of this world, and we certainly know the, the ruler of this world to be Satan, he is referred to that way in Scripture. But when we suffer at His control, we still recognize that Christ is the ruler over our souls. Listen to what is said in John chapter 14 by Jesus, verses 29 through 31. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I, that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do 
Arise, let us go from here. The ruler of this world is not God. Though God created the world, we know there to be an aspect of the world that he does not control, that is allowed into the control of Satan. Satan can vex us with things of the world. The ruler of this world has nothing in me, Jesus says. Even so, Jesus came that the world might know the love of the Father. That was one of his primary concerns in his life on earth. And through Christ, he is made known to us. John 17, verses 24 through 26, what would truly be termed the Lord's Prayer. John 17, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. My sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord of my soul. Our sins are taken away because Christ came into the world. He came to die. He came so that we might know the love of the Father. And because of Christ, because of his sacrifice, our sins are taken away. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal and everlasting life. John three sixteen. God loves us. We know the love of the Father through Christ. One more stanza. Stanza four. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. The words even so are, are very interesting here to me. There are many that might look at this as a troubling day. There are many that will look at it as a troubling day. The return of Christ. But even so, as a Christian, it will be well with my soul. Psalm 49 and verse 15 says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. There will come a day when all that we have believed by faith will be revealed to us. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man... I put away childish things, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Some of these things are revealed to us in Scripture, and by reading and studying it, we can understand what is going to take place. 
there's still some things that, that we don't completely understand or don't have complete knowledge of, but we can believe them by faith. And we have the perfect will of God re- revealed to us in His Word. In 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. There are many things that will be revealed to us in eternity. And we are like Him. And we shall see Him as He is. Jesus, as promised, will return to receive us unto Himself. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, we read this. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one one another with these words. Paul wrote to comfort the Thessalonians who believed that those who had passed away were going to miss the resurrection of Christ. They were comforting words to them. They're comforting words to us today. This day is a day that it is a, a great day. For those who are saved, it is a bright day. For those who are lost, it is a sad day. But this day will come that Jesus will return and we shall be with him in eternity. I can't imagine what that day is going to be like. The, the image of it is hard to, to comprehend. But I can't imagine a greater day than the day that I see my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, coming for me. Again, as the words of the song serve as comfort to many of us, so does the thought that we shall be with Christ in eternity. I thank you for joining me for this episode of Hymology, and I hope to be back with you next Tuesday at 11 a.m., Lord willing. And until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.